All right. Good evening, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, welcome to the seminar, seminar commentary for uh, episode 55. I'm Paul Brueggemann. I'm the director of, uh, of this episode. And with me, I have the writers. Uh, uh, Jason Wallace. Oh. Hello? Sorry, that's fine. And uh, Anna Rodriguez. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> we always have those at the beginning of ev- almost every episode of seminar. And well, I wasn't. I wasn't sure if we were supposed to introduce ourselves no, or yeah, if you were going to give a like a flourish. It was what? a miscommunication on my part, and I apologize. No, it um, was. It was. A, it was a dramatic pause. You see. Oh, yeah. yeah. That was a pregnant pause. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, in this episode, Anna and. Uh, Jason are both in this one. Um, let's see. I forgot which one this was. Oh yeah. Um, we have. I don't. I don't even. I get the numbers so confused sometimes with these characters. Um, well, I know I'm 45. You're 45. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and then um, Jason is the the dean. Mm-hmm. And uh, it. Dave brought up last episode that you sound like. Uh, um, canine from Doctor Who. <laughs> yes, which I mean, upon reflection, I wasn't trying to to summon that at all. But upon reflection, yeah, I do sound a little bit like canine. Yeah, I I didn't realize that either until he pointed it out, and you you actually do, which I'm okay with. I'm totally okay with it. <laughs> yeah, it's yes, pretty master. awesome. Affirmative. <laughs> and it's I a think... little more it's a little more consciously South African is what I was sort of constructing the voice mm-hmm. with, but I can definitely hear that. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, I think it's kind of cool too, because like the um, the uh, teacher slash instructor kind of reminds me of the doctor in that uh, it kind of regenerates along the seasons. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, um, but there, yeah, there's there's kind of a connection there. Uh, I really don't know what to say about the the rappers a lot, uh, other than that they're there. <laughs> Uh, Colin can definitely give more insight. Colin and Jack can definitely give more insight on the rappers. Yeah, um, I, I, and I've been, you know, uh, I, I know a bit more than rappers, but I'm afraid to reveal something that might happen in the future. So I'm mm-hmm. just like, I don't say anything, but yeah. I, I, for one, do like the turn that the rappers are going. Yes, yes, definitely. In the new season, they've definitely taken a turn for the better. And uh, we dive right into uh, Jason's short. And Jason, you want to give us a little rundown of how this episode uh, or this short came to be? Sure. Yeah. Um, well, okay. That's it's a Christmas time last year, right? And um, you know, I I I don't I don't have too much money, but I want to get my uh, my girlfriend something for Christmas. And she says, you know, well, why don't you just write something? Said, of course, I could do that. Absolutely, I'm going to start right away. Um, Flash forward a couple of months later, I'm finally done with it in April, I think it was. Um, and it was intended to be uh, just, you know, the, the last piece that I wrote for Seminar. Um, uh, oh, what the hell is it called? Uh, fights in a Burning House. The fights, yeah. yeah. Fights. It, was, it was sort of consciously sort of trying to make an artistic statement and awfully pretentious and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And, you know, and I wanted to do the, the next one I wanted to submit to seminar. I wanted it to be sort of just a light kind of comedy jaunt, you know, just some fun stuff. Um, you know, not, not, not too pretentious. And, um, so I wrote this uh, story about, uh, this editor, Pauline white. It was sort of modeled after, um, 
my girlfriend Sarah, who herself wants to be a fiction editor, right? Um, and it was just supposed to be just a, a fun little thing that I would get produced through through seminar as as kind of a, a Christmas gift. Of course, that you know they had to go through the the editorial process and months and months and months, and finally now we're working on it at the end of 2013 and stuff. So, um, but yeah, it, it it finally got put out. Um, funnily enough, um, the last piece fights got less complicated the farther it got through the editing process and this one actually got more complicated hmm. um, there's a lot of added stuff in it about um, like uh, Chaucer uh, and John of Gaunt and like all that stuff sort of like sort of complicated hi historical stuff that gets sort of sho shoved in there it was just part of the editorial process because in the beginning it was just oh the fiction editor has a dream and then she wakes up and it's another dream again that's the sort of the first ending right right and um in in my talks with um susan she was like there's there's literally there's practically no plot here and i said okay yes you're absolutely right there's no plot here she wakes up oh wow it's a dream so I, I ended up putting in this sort of extra Chaucerian stuff going on, and I'll explain that as we go through. But um, now it's it's gone from this sort of light, jaunty, kind of quippy comedy piece into this more... Um, there's kind of a dark undercurrent of, like, film noir and, and right. stuff going on. So, And the the Peter Lorre character really sells that, too. <laughs> yes, yes. I think, um, I think he did a great job portraying that. Oh, yeah. Did, uh, you know, I thought... You know, I thought I had that role on lockdown because if I have to do, if I say so myself, I do have a pretty damn good Peter Lorre impression. <laughs> but um, I, I really like that Damien sort of captured that sort of snootiness and mm -hmm. uh, uh, slitheriness that you have to have for that role. Right. Yeah. And uh, Chris and Pete, I think, have a great chemistry in this episode. Yeah, this, they're just they're just brilliant in this. I mean. Mm -hmm. I, I'm so glad that we, we got them involved in this, especially Pete, because he, yeah. him being the master of ad-libs and this being a very kind of <laughs> quippy, silly piece, he gave some real gold. And there's a there's a bit later uh, that I, I burst out laughing the first time I heard it. I couldn't stop. Oh, good, good. Pretty damn funny. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah, this whole the whole episode was just so much fun to direct because it was it being a dream. It was so random, and uh, with uh, with the Wolfman coming in later and uh, the wildebeest at the bar, it just it, it was just all around you know random, and I loved it. Yeah, I I tried to again. That was another conscious choice to try to say okay, we did a kind of kind of stuffy sort of pretentious kind of piece before and now let's just go let's just go nuts with it let's have you know uh noir bits and and, and werewolves and all kinds of crazy stuff so. and uh the ending kind of harkens to uh inception when it all kind of collapses exactly in right the, in the beginning of the movie Never mind. yeah and I, I really enjoy doing the sound effects for that part too <laughs> that's a classic um 1940s phrase that you would hear a lot of like uh comedy people say get out of here like uh yeah. you know martin and lewis would say it a lot abbott yeah, and costello i i tried to i i slept in a lot of like 30s slang and just mm -hmm. sort of that kind of sort of um you know film noir his girl friday kind of stuff going oh, on oh yes, so, yes. Yeah. all right all right look here's the skinny 
Your name is Miss Pauline White. Your chief editor at Bauer Beaton. But it only. I'm oh, sorry. I was just gonna say, it just improves upon the noir feel, all that mm. slang and everything. I I personally like it. Yeah. Right. I, I I tried to put those things in there to make it a little more authentic because it is a little. I mean, it's a little nuts. You know, this sort of dream setting. But I also wanted to have that kind of, sort of, where it seems realistic but not overly so. I guess. Right. Yeah. I have to ask, Paul, what the hell is that noise? It's a wildebeest. It's an actual wildebeest? It is a wildebeest, <laughs> yeah. I thought maybe I think you it's, would... a, it's a baby wildebeest, but it's still, it's, it's a wildebeest. I, I thought maybe you would, you would pitch shift it some, like some child crying. <laughs> no, that, that would make it a bit more creepy, though. Yeah. With yeah. the... <laughs> no, I didn't think about that, but yeah. See, this is all like, uh, it's, a. Uh... I love this bit too. Yeah. It's pastel. Yeah, a lot of this came from uh, this that, the initial idea. Uh, this was before the um, you know sort of the, the Christmas challenge, if you will. Um, I was uh, working at the uh, the Rylander Theater here in town, and we had. Um, I think it was a dance recital going on, and there was one bit that was uh, choreographed to um, some sort of big band number. I think it was called Attack of the Ghouls, I think. And um, it just sort of sparked some stuff in my mind, and I, just, I, was, I was sitting up there in the balcony sort of jotting down some lines, especially that bit about you know pastiche, pastel, and stuff like that, and trying to figure out where to put those in. And then it's, the whole concept just sort of could, you know, formed itself around that. That's, I've always liked when uh, to see the evolution of the writing from the very first draft to the ending. I like hearing those stories of all the changes. Yeah, initially uh, the, the character of Pauline White was just supposed to be a a fiction editor who's just been working on a noir style novel for so long that she's having these sort of strange dreams, right? And mm -hmm. she wakes up and her boss is like, "All right, we got to get this you know deadline done," and she's like, "Wow, I gotta." I, I got to stop, you know, you know, these these long nights and stuff like that, you know, and she ends up saying, you know, some 30 slang and sort of like weird way. And she's like, oh, God, I, I got to take a vacation, you know. Mm. Uh, and of course, in the in the in the editing process, we were both Susan and I agreed that there was not much like going on there. So eventually, I don't know how I, I, I uh, came to this. I stumbled on using um, Chaucer's uh, Book of the Duchess, which is one of his first poems. Uh, it's supposed to honor the death of, um, oh, uh, what's her name? Um, oh, Blanche of Lancaster. Yeah, that's it. Mm. Um, uh, she she was the wife of uh, John Gaunt, one of the sort of main members of the House of Plantagenet and uh, and uh, father of Henry the Fourth. You see, um, and in in the Chaucer in poem, right? Um, it mentions um, the old uh, uh, Greek mythology story of, of Sakes and Alcalone, right? And um, that has to do with, um, you know, Zeus being jealous and basically throwing a thunderbolt at um, Sakes' ship, you know, because he's a fisherman, right? And um, nearly drowning him. Uh, and then Alcyone, out of her grief, throws herself in the sea. And so you can see later in the, in the, um, in the story how that kind of connects that in a sort of dark noir kind of twist, it's John Gaunt, Johnny Gaunt, who throws uh, Pauline White into the sea, right? Mm -hmm. so. 
there's all this sort of like you know double naming work going on and stuff like that so. yeah Here comes your uh, your big part, Jason. Specifically, we are punks on That's a that's an old joke about. There's a there's an old tube song from the mid '70s called "White Punks on Dope." Mm-hmm. And so you know, I don't know whether I just just had that thought or misheard it at one point. I just thought, well, yeah, we're punks. That sounds great. <laughs> Were werewolves in like leather jackets yeah. and spikes and you know <laughs> sounds fun. I'm curious to see what uh, Frank does for the art for this. Oh yeah, <laughs> I hope it's he makes some werepunks. And then I turn this whole club into a, a very special episode. So I'd try that a little sooner than that if I were you, because well, I'm with Bobby, man. What is what is that line in reference to? Oh, um, that that was a classic sort of blunder on the part of Mattel when they released some of the uh, Barbies that would uh, you know speak. You could say you know press the button or pull a string or whatever, and the, and Barbie had a certain set of phrases. Well, I think uh, sometime in the mid '80s, I can't I can't quite remember. They had a Malibu Barbie who was just like who would say these like silly sexist things like "Oh, math is hard" or whatever. <laughs> You know, and it was just, it blew up. There were like, you know, sort of big uh, complaints about it and stuff like that. And that was just another one of those like, sort of, um, like, like, like sprinkling the 30s slang in there. This, this thing is also largely influenced by like, you know, like early 80s stuff and airplane and stuff like that. That was just another one of those sort of weird mishmashes that I thought would be nice to throw in there. Mm-hmm. Because because uh, schisms speaks in a completely different kind of way from yeah. the rest of the cast. So. <laughs> I did a lot of these sound effects um, in advance um, before I did before I got any of the lines, and uh, that was one of them that I just layered a bunch of uh, just like things burning and stuff and the the other one that i was real proud of was the one where uh rick and and uh, pauline go behind the table and they're getting shot at right yeah and there's a bunch of things on the table and he flips them down and all the dishes fall off in the silverware so he so here we've got um dave and brian in mm-hmm. as um as um as, as jeffrey chaucer and Stowe, John Stowe, <laughs> the, the historian who sort of makes some notes about Chaucer's poem, right? And they're treating Pauline White, and White was the name of Blanche of Lancaster in the poem, for a drown, for near a near drowning. So you can see how that, all that stuff ties in. Um, now, this part was really hard to, to write because I had to go and actually look up. Um, I, I don't, I don't, I didn't know anything about sort of like emergency room, um, oh, right, right. drowning treatment. So I had to go and look up some hardcore, like what's the, what's, what's a similar, what's a neat sounding procedure that I can do here. So. <laughs> Good line. Yeah. So just a, just a fun little jaunt and definitely markedly different from fights. So. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Wasn't it? 
The human mind is intricately complex <coughs> and nearly impossible. <coughs> Sentience is marked not by the ability Pardon to me. survive. Don't die, Paul. We need you. Oh yeah, I'll, I'll be I'll be fine. And what allows us to choose? What is free will if we cannot see an alternative? I'm curious to myself uh, what the, where the rapper is going. I mean, I know where Colin intends it to be going, but I, I'm not actually sure um, what's going to happen next. He's got some fun plans. So. All right, Anna. Yay! Do you want to talk about this? No, I don't. No. Oh, okay. Uh, so. <laughs> All right, we're done. So Matt Smith is done. How crazy is that? Right. <laughs> um. So Crimson Cape. Um. It's kind of a culmination of two different ideas. Uh. Once upon a time in an alternate Earth, I was playing with superheroes. Um. And I kind of missed writing them. So I kind of wanted to do something in that superhero genre again. And of course, we need more lady heroes. So of course, I have to have my main protagonist be a kick-ass lady. Uh, and also, I was having weird... I seem to be writing whenever I have weird dreams. But, uh, you know, the whole... You dream something because you're hoping to improve some sort of situation in reality. So with uh, Crimson Cape... Uh, you know, in her dream, as we, if you've already listened to the episode, she saves a civilian who, if you listen carefully in, when she goes back to reality, it's actually her father, because her father has lung cancer, which is why in her dream, she's got, like, a smoke-themed villain to kind of tie the, the lung cancer to, mm -hmm. and all of that. So, it just kind of, like, what your psyche does, you know, when you're dealing with harsh things in reality, in your dream world, you kind of you, you just uh, deal with the hard stuff in life. So I was just playing around with that and combined it with the hero genre. So that's where the idea came from for Crimson Cape. That's awesome. I, I never even drew the uh, the connection between the between Hayes and, and the lung cancer. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so in case you didn't know and you're listening to the commentary, there's, there's the connection. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise. Surprise! Uh, and it was Hayes went through so many drafts because he was he came off incredibly cheesy at first, and I I wanted him to be uh, a serious villain, but at the same time this is uh, kind of a light hero mm -hmm. story, so I had to make him serious but not so cheesy. So it was it was kind of hard trying to define him. And I think the the voice really added to that too. Like DT Kelly did a fantastic job oh voicing. yeah oh yeah the, the the cast for this one i was really and we have a lot of people that um a lot of unknowns really dependent mm -hmm. so welcome thank you for auditioning you guys sound amazing um we have some well-known voices as well but i was really mm -hmm. especially by uh melissa that's crimson cape she's just oh yeah awesome and i don't i don't think i've ever really heard her in anything I, else i hadn't either yeah and then dt kelly i'd never heard and uh doc coleman who plays the the dad later on yeah. They all did a fantastic job. And, of course, the rest of them. You all know them. We got Dave Morgan as the mayor. Jason was uh, one of the one of the crooks at the beginning. Yeah. Yep, yep. Uh, and the whole, the whole opening scene, that's kind of a 
for I went through a phase where I was listening to a lot of Dane Cook comedy. Mm-hmm. If you're familiar with his comedy, he has a a joke about how guys one of their dreams is to pull a heist. So the whole where's the van? The van's supposed to be here. It's mm-hmm. from, it's from one of his comedy sketches. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> so I just that's one of my favorite sketches of his. So I just you know I knew I had to have some guys try to rob a bank, and I threw that line in. So that's a little homage to Dane Cook, though I'm that's sure. Cool. I have some Dane Cook haters now that are going to probably hate me. <laughs> the and, other thug is a um, uh, a friend and a schoolmate of mine, Chris Gilstrap. Oh, um, right, right, right. Of course, yeah, I think he'll be in 56, I think. Uh, no, or has that already come out? It's, uh, mm, has, 56 um, is... Uh, what's his name? Chris, Chris, Chris Gilstrap. Gilstrap. Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah I'm, he's in the next I'm, one. I'm trying to remember what the name of that one is. Yeah, it's called Constant Vigilance. It'll come out next Yes, that's it. Next yeah, day. yeah. Yeah, so that's cool. Welcome, welcome, Chris. So, so Paul, did you have fun with all my sound effects cues? You killed me with these ones. <laughs> my goodness. The the one that really got me, though, was at the beginning with the with the van, when the van's supposed to roll over after it gets the tires blown out and then run into the fire hydrant. Yeah. That, it was, <laughs> I, I felt really satisfied at the end, but it, it took a long time for me to get that all figured out. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's totally fine. Oh, and another one I'm kind of, proud of is uh at the end um when all the uh dream world seems to be like disappearing um you can kind of hear Hayes's voice yelling and then it echoes into reality which is uh which i thought was kind of cool yeah totally it was i i thought it was a, a funny little bit of um serendipity that uh, both of these pieces end up you know uh Dream? finishing in as sort of like dream sequences and then finishing in hospitals. It's kind mm-hmm. of a little bit of kismet there. Which and is this probably- music, um, I think, is my favorite uh, to tie it all together. Um, Kevin McLeod. It's just a simple chord progression, but with the, with the situation with him being on his um, p- potential deathbed, it just... Uh, it teared me up i'm not gonna lie yeah no totally and you know some of i'll admit some of john's you know the dad's dialogue it's things that my dad has said to me you know when i've done the whole i'm a grown-up now and you know he's he's told me once or twice or 10 million times that you know i'll be his baby girl so that's kind of that's drawn from real life there so i i I really do a appreciate this piece because you know a lot of the time you know you'll get these sort of superhero stories and they'll just be cloaks for you know your classic sort of preteen male power fantasies right mm-hmm. it just has to do with like you know dominance and violence and stuff like that and so, so to see one with uh, again with, with what, what we desperately need more of sort of strong female heroines um, that's also about something very human and relatable in the end um, that, that was that's that's refreshing to see that yeah. Oh, thank you. Good job, honey. It's oh, so hey, Colin. Fun. <laughs> <sighs> it's my show. I can crash. He now he's cr- you couldn't. We crash. share the show, Colin. Come on. <laughs> uh, ruining a nice tender moment there. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, it's you know. You're talking about because I think a lot of I think even though I think a lot of hero shows is lacking something. Sometimes they need more humanness to them, you know, like when you relate more to a superhero when you see their human moments, 
you know, so I wanted to be sure to throw in that final scene. And that final scene really didn't go through a whole lot of redos because it kind of, on the first go, came out how it was. Because I think just a relationship between a father and his daughter, because, you know, your parents get to an age where you're an adult and you end up taking care of them. But it's always that's always tough because you always expect to be taken care of. Mm. So, um, yeah. Their ideas from? You know what? Well, very well written, both of you. Thank you. Why do we study humans anyway? Haven't you always? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's a nice little as as if as if the show you know in both of these pieces didn't end in down notes enough it's just mm -hmm. like yeah humans are i mean they're, they're gonna be wiped out i mean spoilers yeah this 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 whole this whole episode definitely uh, vacillated wildly between like oh that's really funny oh god now i'm incredibly impressed <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Go watch a Disney movie. Go watch Frozen, and you'll be happy. Yes, go, yes. I, go see Frozen. Go. I gotta... <laughs> Paul, feel free to cut out Colin, if you okay. like. <laughs> it's my shoe! Um, so, yeah. Yeah, that was the commentary, folks. <laughs> if you would like to write for Sevadar... <laughs> oh, good plug, good plug. <laughs> And have your stuff produced, check out Pendant Audio's website at pendantaudio.com slash seminar.php. There's all the info you need there. It's fun to have your stuff produced. It's really cool. Indeed. It's, it's, it's uh, especially neat when um, you sort of have these preconceptions in your mind of what it's going to sound like, and then it often turns out uh, quite different and also quite pleasing as well. So. Yes. And thank you, Paul, for doing your amazing directing work, as always. Yes, thank you for getting a sound effect of a wildebeest. Oh. <laughs> well, you're welcome. Legitimate <laughs> wildebeest, and not a not a baby pitch shifted. No, no, yeah, that would have been creepy. And for just and for destroying a van. Well, yep. Uh, well, we we don't want to tell the uh, CSPD about that, but. Uh... Well, we all know that you fully everything, right, Paul? <laughs> yeah, but that's why we don't want to tell anybody. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Especially when I'm blowing up buildings and stuff, you know. Oh, no. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, I guess we'll see you guys in uh, two weeks. Or two months. Two months is the next show. <laughs> All right. Bye. Bye. See you guys later. Bye.